Welcome to another Aflame teaching session. We hope you enjoy this special message by Hank Kleinschmidt. So we're going to read some of the questions um, that's, uh, that's on here. And some of it's going to be around family. Some of it's going to be around the stuff that we've been sharing a little bit about more mystic prayer, mystic theology, mysticism, whatever you want to call it. Um, so we're going to look into that stuff a little bit more tonight, some of the questions. But if, you, if something comes up at some point, feel free to throw it out into the, um, um, into the comment box. So. Um, I'm going to start with one by Angelique because she's got <laughs> a lot of questions. And uh, basically, this is the question. She says, um, how do you become quiet and stay in the rest of the Lord um, in a time where so many, many people are prophesying about revival and mass con uh, you know, conversions and you know, the, the billion soul harvest? Um, and then the question is basically, is all of this coming out of a place of rest or, and is our image of revival maybe a little bit um, twisted? So that's a pretty good question, I think. Um, so firstly, you know, without rest, there, there cannot be revival. That's, that's the main thing, you know. So unless we come out of a place of rest, we're not really going to see a true sustainable um, move of the Spirit of God. And... Um, you know, all the stuff we spoke about, you know, you know, entering into the presence, mystic prayer, all of those things, all of it is centered around the concept of rest because rest is a sign of faith. You know, if you read Hebrews chapter 4. So without faith, there cannot be rest. And you have to contend to go into the rest of the Lord because that's actually the Shabbat, the, the true, and it's not about being Jewish or anything. That's re actually entering into the true rest of God. And if you read Hebrews chapter 4, you look at that, you, you see the whole story. The writer is talking about the fact that Joshua, even though he took them into the promised land, there was still a promise of rest that's awaiting the body of Christ. And we actually enter into that, that rest, right? And without really stepping into that, we're always going to be in a place where it's striving and it's contention. And revival needs to come. I mean, revival has to be birthed out of faith. And where, where there's faith, there's, there's rest. So um, the question is, you know, is our image of, of revival wrong? It could be, uh, but maybe our question of uh, our understanding of rest might also be wrong. You know, because a lot of us might have a weird idea, what does this rest sound like? Um, rest to me, it means that I'm at peace in the midst of what's going on. Um, I'm, I've, I've protected myself, uh, firstly, uh, in terms of my spiritual walk, my spiritual walk needs to be secure because as long as that is in place, then I'm in rest. And if that is okay, then my wife and kids will be fine. Those around me should be fine. So for me, it has to come back to, to that, that place of rest. Now, the problem is, uh, is when God starts moving, uh, that gets interesting, you know, when, when he really starts moving because there's momentum and things pick up and, and it goes really fast and it's awesome and everything is awesome about it. You know, we, I haven't been part of um, flat out revival, but we've been part of small outpouring, small moments where you could see something is really moving and, uh, and, and it gets, it's, it's so exciting. Uh, it's so awesome that you actually, 
and, and there's grace in it because there's a supernatural element that comes with it. But then at some point you just need a break. <laughs> you know, so uh, David Hogan wisely said to me one day in his accent, he said, boy, you need to rest sometimes because the Holy Ghost will make you crazy. You know, so, um, and, and it's true because that, that momentum, it actually picks up and it's like, you know, we joked about it and you guys were there. We, we talk about percolating. It's like when you cannot sleep because it's like the spirit is just moving. You're just kind of in that place. You're like a coffee pot that's just going. And, and that is so awesome. But sometimes you need to get the switch off. Um, I remember I did uh, meetings one time. It was crazy. I actually think it was the ones in Cape Town with you guys, some of you. I mean, we had gold teeth. It was just... It was wild. It was wild. And uh, I, I left directly out of the surf. You kind of dragged me on the car and I got in time at the airport. And at some point I finally got through the check through and I checked in and I sat down. And the next minute I couldn't remember where I was flying to. <laughs> I was like, I have no idea where I'm going. I don't know if I'm in Cape Town or Johannesburg. Or, and uh, then I realized I might need a break. You know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I might need to just uh, unplug a little bit for, for a while and, and just get into that. So rest, rest is rooted in faith. So yes, there cannot be a move uh, without faith and without rest. And the, the massive harvest, remember when you're, when you're in destiny, it feels like rest because there's grace. So this harvest, it comes in, but, but there's an energizing capacity to it because there's joy in the field as well. But in it, you need to be able to physically rest as well, right? And, and in the same breath, I also believe to be able to push the boundaries of your own capacity. So do you understand? Like you have to be able to push beyond what you feel is humanly possible because there is a supernatural grace that comes there but then also be wise enough to know that I actually need a break. And that's why you have a wife, by the way, right? Yes. Yeah, too. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I don't know that that answers your question a little bit, but uh, um, for me, that's, that's kind of that balance. And, and when it comes to the souls, that is going to come out of rest. Remember Bob Jones prophesied, he, he prophesied over the decades. And he said that, that uh, 2020, uh, is going to be the decade of rest, you know, and if the church is going into rest and the more um, The more I'm looking at stuff and the more I'm reading and the more I'm journeying into um, you know into the whole thing of um, of just You know the the whole mystic realm and, and, and going deeper with God everything is rooted in rest Everything is rooted in rest and that doesn't mean you're not active in the Lord or, or busy. It just means there's a calm inside of you. And, and that's the balance, I think, is to find kind of that place uh, to, you know, to move out of being busy in the field uh, without busyness, <laughs> being effective, uh, but at the same time being at rest on the inside because out of that rest we actually hear God better uh, and we just sharper, you know. Um, when I'm too tired, I don't, I'm not hearing well from the Lord. So, that, and that's just the truth. When I'm too tired, I don't get dreams. Uh, when I'm too tired, I don't, you know, it's just not as sharp as it should be. So, it, you have to find that place. And then you get children and it's all out of the window anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know if that helped a little bit. That makes sense. Can I add something? Yes, please. I would just like to add on the topic of rest. I mean, um, just what Hank's been saying, um, when the word 
from Bob Jones and all the prophets, prophets came that the next decade will be the decade of race, the decade of souls. Um, I was like, I was really asking the question, do I even know what it is? And we've really been digging into the topic of race. And I really want to encourage you guys, if you're not sure what it means, and I mean, obviously, this it's so deep. The revelation of race is, it's amazing. Start with Genesis. The fashion translation is amazing. Um, there's new resources that Brian Simmons have put out, and it is crazy. It's been keeping me up. It's been wake. I mean, I've been waking up early in the morning just to spend time in Genesis. And rest is such a big part of it. It's part of the creation. It's the seventh day. It is our destiny. Is rest. Um, that's where God wants us. So dig into that thing if you're not sure um, about the topic or whatever get your kids your family especially in this time don't miss out don't miss out um ask ask and you shall receive the revelation of rest and you shall enter and it's just crazy and just for us and for me personally in this time of rest um if you're too tired you can even lose your hunger you know if you yeah. if you're too tired at night and by nine o'clock, the bright place is not near me. Ten years, the bright place not near me. Then I'm not hungry even anymore. I'm just like, just leave it. I'll go. I'll just. I just want to go to bed. And Heidi Baker said this amazing thing once. She said, "Just sleep, just sleep, and you'll wake up with an appetite." And that is the thing of rest. If we're not in rest, we're not hungry spiritually. We get all kind of illnesses physically, and our bodies just give up. And um, and I can say from just coming out of a very busy season, the last 18 months or four years, I don't know, <laughs> it's crazy. Um, coming into this, this specific lockdown season of race, very forced season of race, it's just been amazing. I've just been falling in love with Jesus more than ever before. I've been falling in love with God, just so hungry. And that made me fall in love with Him more. I've been falling in love with my children like never before. I've been seeing things about them and about their future and their destiny like like i've never and it's just such an example i think god is just giving, giving us a taste of what it means to be at rest completely just surrendered um in a in obedience obviously i mean things still go goes on but i i've just i don't want to lose this feeling that i have ever again the peace the rest the calm the the joy um and, and that is what it's about, like perfect harmony between God and man. Um, I'm just so blessed by the whole theme of race. And I thought I knew it. I knew what it's about, but I had no clue. And I'm still digging in and asking God for more revelation. So I'm very excited. And I hope you guys are as well. Just go for it. Just dig in the topic. Yeah, and also I want to add to that. I think the fact that we're all forced into race a little bit, uh, it should probably be a good sign that the harvest is coming. So, and the point being that if you're, a, I mean, there's farmers on here, so I don't want to <laughs> say anything stupid. But uh, if you're a farmer, when the seeds in the ground, when it's when it's harvest time, it's harvest time. It's happening now. So you don't have a choice about you know which way to go or, or anything like that. You you need to make sure that that you're on it, and there's times and there's seasons, and that's why we need to still be. We need to be sensitive to the spirit as to when to rest, when to move. We, when he's working, we need to work. You know, when he's to be found, we need to be out there. 
And, and again, in, in waiting on in very supernatural rest, as I shared last week, Isaiah 40, 31, those who wait upon the Lord shall receive new strength. So it's that, that balance uh, in all of that. Um, you, you know, there's a, a, I don't know if you've ever heard of, um, what is her name? Uh, Frances Metcalf. I don't know if you've heard of, of the golden candlestick ladies. Uh, so anyway, if you haven't, that, that is, uh, whew, that's out there. But anyway, so she, uh, basically she, in the forties, um, God called her, she, she, they all did Bible school. Some of them did Bible school at Amy Simple McPherson's, uh, kind of seminary. And uh, so they came out of that. I mean, they were on fire, just burning for the Lord, prophetic lady. And then God told her after many years of intercession and prayer, uh, so it was 1942, I think, um, God spoke to her and said to her, you will have no public ministry. I'm calling you to minister to me for the rest of your life. So for the next 50 years, uh, that's what she did with a group of people. So they went into, you know, just ministering unto the Lord, literally in the basement of her home. Okay. Now they had groups between 40 and 50 people uh, gather for prayer. And I mean, before that, she was a prayer warrior already. And uh, they, they basically, I mean, the stuff they experienced is, it's out there, right? So, I mean, my, my cage is rattled a little bit when I'm listening to all of it in a really good way, but it's, it's profound. And they would start six or seven at night and they would keep going until mm. two o'clock in the morning, maybe all night. Uh, she was a mother, uh, you know, she had her own children, she was married. And they did that six, uh, five to six night, nights a week for 50 years. So, uh, so that's pretty profound. And then at some point she was, she was praying one night and she went into a, 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 a trance and the Lord spoke to her and said to her, I'm taking you into a whole different realm. Um, and she said, I'm taking you into a prayer ministry. And she went, but Lord, I've been, you know, I've been a, I've been an intercessor my whole life. And now you say I'm going into a prayer ministry. And then the Lord said, yes, uh, he said to her, you've been an eagle waiting uh, an eagle waiting and an eagle warrior unto me but i'm turning you into a dove and i might touch on that on sunday but i'm turning you into a dove and she says and then the lord said to her unless you learn how to go into rest you will never be able to go into the realm that i want to open up to you and she had to learn about the the connection between going into the presence of the lord trances visions uh, translations heavenly encounters i mean and I share this, is that a, listen guys, they, they, I mean, they would like, the, the guy, who, they had a basement, right? And in it, so what would happen is there was a door. They saw, this guy saw a door in the basement. And he always believed that it's a door. Like you open it and you go into a new room. And then years after all of these ladies died, he went to that house again. And he went into the basement and one of the ladies, she's now in her 80s or something. Uh, and they go through the house again and he's like, hey, but there's supposed to be a door here. What happened to the door? Did they change it? And she just laughs at him and she's like, there, was, there never was a door. He's like, no, there was a door. She's like, yeah, there was a door, but there was never a physical door. It was like, literally, it was like a gate. And they would just go in and out. It was bizarre what happened to these ladies. But the point was this, that God said, unless you go into rest, uh, you're not going to see any of it. Right, so that rest thing is massive, uh, you, you know, for us to get and to understand because rest means we really trust Him, you know, with all our striving. So yeah, it's a process for for me. So 
Uh, I don't know. I hope that helps. Is that is that okay? That answer the question. All right. Okay. Um, I'm going to jump. I'm just going to give Angelique a break, and I'm going to answer one of Peter's questions <laughs> before I go back to her. All right. Uh, Peter is asking, so how do we approach the uh, causa culture and context uh, with us not being causa <laughs> culturally and in context? All right. Luke. Uh, she's laughing. Yeah. <laughs> Ziggy is laughing. Ziggy, you can answer that question. Ziggy is our causa friend. Yeah, well, uh, listen, we're all missionaries. So, f firstly, let's start with that. And the point of whatever you do is you, you need to, I mean, Paul said, I become all things unto all people, you know, so that I can reach them for Christ. And, and obviously that's, there's never compromise in any of that. There, you know, there cannot be compromise in the way we approach things. Uh, whatever is ungodly in culture, we, we resist and we stand against. Um, so for me, and, and if it's working or not, I'm, I'm not sure. So, so Peter, I'll, I don't know, Vesel can also you know, comment on that. But, but our approach was just, you know, I, I think in the missions world, there's a lot of, you know, missiology and a lot of things going out there about these things, which is super powerful. And there's a lot of wisdom and understanding in, in all of that. And, and to understand culture is super important. I, I fully believe in that. I do, however, think that at some point we put, a, we put too much of an emphasis on that, my personal opinion. I, I think we went too far in, in kind of a little bit of our approach to that. You have to understand people's culture, but the principle is if you just love people and honor them, you're, you're going to try and understand them anyway. So, so for me, the, the, you know, we, we all know Bill Johnson's famous message on, on the culture of honor. Uh, I mean, if you haven't heard it, I mean, it's just a phenomenal. The principle is whatever I honor in somebody else, that can be released into my life. And it's the same, by the way, with the heavenly and the angelic realm. If I honor that realm, it comes into my, my sphere. Do you understand? So the same with people. If I come out of a place of honoring people, they'll see that. And so I don't know everything about the, the culture I'm in. I, I, I don't. But I ask questions and I, I'm trying to be sensitive and I ask them, listen, have I messed up? Am I missing something? Are we doing something wrong? Because, you know, we come from, from um, Gauteng. So our contact with the cause of culture has been uh, zero up to we moved here, basically, you know. So for us, it really is a culture shock or shift or change or whatever you want to call it. So it was completely new. Some of you guys grew up in, in you know, Western Cape, Eastern Cape, where we have a lot, a lot of uh, us speaking people. So, so for us, it was a big shift in that sense. But again, we've done missions, you know, all over and outreaches and stuff. So, so the simplicity of it is just if you love the person, if you just did what Jesus did, just love the person, uh, they, they will respond. Knowledge about the culture absolutely helps. Uh, because even Jesus honored culture, you know, if you think about when he uh, healed the blind guy, when he spit and he made the mud, he told him actually go and, and go and cleanse yourself at the pool of Shiloh. So, so he was kind of honoring the Mosaic law. He was honoring what was already there without compromising in any way. So, so that's the first thing is just, you have to be sensitive to it. Uh, and, and I mean, you, you know, you live there, uh, Peter, so I know where you live and, and what you, I mean, it's, it's a people that, that takes great pride in their culture, which is right, all of us do in some form, I guess. Um, so if you miss 
and if you miss that part, you lose you lose a group of people very easily. Um, and and arrogance is is obviously never. For me, the biggest thing, you lose people through arrogance, that's it. If you're arrogant, if you think you have the answers and you come into a better world and tell them how to do it, you can just leave. Uh, it's not going to work. You've lost them before you started. You know, but if you come in humbly and you come in serving and you come in trying to understand, that'll open their heart. But in the same breath, um, I often say to guys, listen, we, we are not... Um, this is not Malawi, uh, this is not Zambia, this is not Madagascar or, you know, so in other places in Africa, if you come being a white South African, right? Like sometimes the people are excited to see you because I don't know why. But if you enter into the villages of the Trans Sky, they're not necessarily excited to see you. They're like, eh, no, we know you guys, you know? <laughs> We've seen this movie before, you know, so there's a lot of history, <laughs> Ziggy. <laughs> so, there's a lot of history that you need to break through uh, to get their trust. And that's why, Peter, I don't even know if I'm on the topic yet, but that's why short-term outreach, it is effective, but, but you need to be careful because people have seen that as well. You know, they go, oh, you're going to come in, you're going to preach, and you're gone, and then we're here on our own. You're going to tell me Jesus is awesome, but bye-bye. You know, and you have to break through that as well. So consistency is super important, and that speaks. Uh, so it, it, at the beginning, very excited. Then the distrust come in because you're going to lead, and then you outlive the ones, the doubters. And, and then there's an opening up again where they go, all right, but you can be trusted because you're still here. You know, so, but, so that's part one of your question. Part two is the fact that I'm not, that I'm, you know, Afrikaans and <laughs> all the wrongs, all the wrong stuff. Yes, I'm a Malungu, baby. I'm a Malungu. I'm all the wrong stuff for the area, basically, you know, if you want to look at it that way. So how do we relate? Uh, it's hard. And, but the power is in the scripture. So, so that's what I found. Uh, all people love to be taught the truth, especially if it brings deliverance and freedom. So if you can bring them the truth and you don't make it about color or anything, but you make it about, um, you make it about catch, ca catching their hearts and you can show out of scripture that this is not, this is not a white idea. Uh, this is not a, a, you know, Western American idea. This is a Jesus idea. And by the way, Jesus' skin color looked a lot more like yours than it did like me, you know. So get the pale white Jesus out of your head, and and so, so that way you contextualize without lying because it's the truth, you know. So so that's the thing. And then again, let let the uh, again a friend of mine told me one day. He said the truth is awesome. Um, the truth is like a cancer, you know, in a good way. So if you just throw the truth in there. You leave it and you let it grow on the people, right? Because the truth sets free. And the truth of the gospel, it's got this ability to grow inside of the heart of people into an area. And your job is throw the truth in there and, and just get that to them. If they want to disagree about it, that's okay. But at the end of the day, the word of the Lord is going to stand. It's not going to change. So that's, that's the, the one way. That's part one is the word. You have to move on the word. Bring them the word. Show them the scriptures. Drive them crazy with scriptures in a good way. But you need to be you know, on that and make it practical. Bring it home to them. And the other thing is obviously power.
it's manifestations uh, of the power of God. That that because they need to see that they're used to that, so they have to see power. They have to see that this thing moves, you know, and uh, uh, this gospel is actually there's it's more than just empty talk, you know. You want to add something? Wow, goodbye. I can't no. <laughs> Let's go to the next question. <laughs> next question. Is that, is that okay, Peter? Did that help you out? Uh, yeah. If if I can expand if you want, but but so yeah, it's just going low uh, and commit. That's the thing. Commit. If you tell something, don't lie to them. Um, you know, don't lie to them. If you say you're going to be there, be there. Uh, if you say you're here to stay, be here to stay. You know, if, if it's just in and out, then fine. Just be in and out, but let them know that. Let them make up their minds beforehand. And then, you know, that's what we always say. It's it's a, it's a simple concept, but but getting people converted is, is a lot of fun. Um, making the baby is easy. Discipling the thing into maturity, that's a different story. That's That's where the blood, sweat, and tears that's where it happens by the way it's that's where you because they you get stabbed in the back and you pour into somebody's life and they turn on you and you know all of that stuff and and you have to be you have to be okay with it and it's hard it's really hard but the more it happens to you the better you get at it <laughs> you know so uh there's an old movie to remember mighty ducks the hockey <laughs> movie i'll never forget they, they asked the one guy he's like man don't you hate losing he's like ah the more you lose the better you get at it you know it's, <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of like that you know and but then when you have that one success man it's awesome and, uh, and it's exciting but it, it takes time it's cross-cultural and it's just the grace of the Lord needs to be on it. You know, it needs to be on it. So, yeah. Okay. Right. So I'm just going to get to that question. Uh, Johannes, that's you guys and Marissa. We'd like to ask something more practical on marriage and ministry. As a couple leading in ministry together, how do you guys navigate your spiritual rhythm in terms of praying together, Bible study together, hearing God together? And finding and understanding each other's strengths and gifts and flowing in that. Wow. Yeah. We have four children. We never do anything together. <laughs> <laughs> we just go to bed together. <laughs> yeah, we don't talk that much. No, I'm just kidding. No. Uh, do you want to start? Sure. No, you can start. I'll add. Um, I, I don't listen. Like, we're newlyweds, basically, if you think about it, some other people. <laughs> so, 10 years in. Um, and we can write books about how not to do it. Yes. Uh, that we can probably more about that than about how to do it. So, but you know, we've we've had good people around us, and we failed a lot, a lot. And um, but but we're figuring it out. And even in this season, it's new again. You know, and the next season it looks different. So I I think it's for me in that place of marriage and just. Um, it's again, it's a priority thing. And the most liberating thing I ever heard personally was because all of, all of us kind of heard somewhere in life that it's, you know, it's, it's God first, uh, then family, then ministry, you know, that, that whole thing, which I, it's an awesome revelation and, and, and it's, it's so good. Um, but I, I've never liked it. Even before I got married, I absolutely despised that, that thing. I don't know why, just something about it just really, aggravated me 
And it's not because I wanted to throw my, my family under the ministry bus or I wanted to throw my ministry under the family bus. It's not that. I, I just never liked it. And, um, and then one day I spoke to a good friend and a wise man. And he looked at me and he said to me, it's not the one or the other. It's both. Uh, you, you, we are going to stand before God, all of us who are married, uh, standing in that, whether you're married or in a relationship, uh, meaning with people. You know, you have people that you disciple, you have people, spiritual family. Uh, it doesn't really matter. But you, you are going to stand before God on both of those issues equal. He's going to look at marriage and he's going to look at calling. So it's, it's not the one or the other. And the problem is when you make it in a, you know, in a kind of an order or a hierarchy or whatever, your, your problem is that you're, you feel tension. Well, I do. I, I feel tension that, okay, but now, you know, ministry is flying. So, you know, what about this now? Or now family, you know, but when family gets priority, everything is fine. And, and I, I never liked that. And, but this makes sense to me because God is, God is not a God, you know, he's full of grace and he's full of truth. John 1 verse 18, 17, So he's not a one-dimensional God that can only be this thing or that thing. He's all of it, you know. And we have to uh, emulate the Father uh, in who we are. And to do that, we need to be able to hold more than one thing equal in front of him. And in one season, it's going to be ministry. So then we navigate into ministry and there is a burst of energy that goes into that. You just heard her. We, we had a very busy couple of years, uh, and, and, but we started a new work, you know. So it took a lot of us. We never neglected family, but you un we understood that, listen, it's going to be a push now. And then there are seasons where family gets, you know, preeminence over ministry, and it should. And the balance in that is, again, it's intimate. It's hearing from the Lord because if I'm close to him, I'm going to get these two. I'm going to get this right. Wow. You know, hopefully <laughs> that's the hope. Uh, if I can love him well, I'm going to love her well. I'm going to love my, my children well. Um, so, so that's the first thing I want to say on that. And that's just what we've seen, uh, you know, in the whole, in the whole thing about the, the routine and, and getting things together. Um, I'm going to be brutally honest on that. We, we, so we both wake up early most of the time, right? We get up early and we spend time with the Lord. Not always because sometimes our life is weird and it just is, you know. Uh, sometimes, you know, you're catching airplanes or you're driving all night or you've just went until 12 at night with ministry stuff. And, and you know, so it's just we, we would love to have it cookie cut, but it doesn't work that way. But we make we do spend time with the Lord every day, whatever that looks like, right? But like in a season like this where it's awesome, we we both get up early. Uh, I come and sit in my office. She sits in her spot and she spends time with the Lord the way she loves doing it. I spend time with the Lord the way I love doing it. And then we come together and it's spontaneous over breakfast, over coffee, whatever. We talk and we share about what happened. And then I I saw this and she saw that and and we're excited and then. Uh, at night when we have specific things that we want to pray about then we sit together and we pray about those things you know so we so it's not like um we pray together every day in, in that sense and we come together we have a time of prayer um maybe we should i don't know but uh but, but it just doesn't always happen like that you know but but the point is there's always connection and and 
when I get something I'm excited about, I'm like, hey, honey, you should see this. This is crazy. Those, those ladies walk through the wall, whatever, you know. And, and you know, whatever the story might be. But it's just so, so it's, it's constantly in our walk, and that makes it very natural for us. Uh, so, so for me, um, I believe in organic and natural, you know, in, in terms of these things, because the minute it steps out of that, you feel pressure and that, that becomes a religious thing and it kind of breaks you. So, so that's how we do it. Um, Maurice is awesome. She's like, you know, super humble. Uh, so she asks a lot of questions of me. You know, she will come off and say, well, what do you think about this? And, you know, and so there's always talk in the house and it's, so that's fun, you know, but she, she, she likes asking, which makes it, you know, really uh, easy for me uh, in that sense. And, and, you know, she's got amazing revelations. So I, I often preach her revelations. Uh, yes, he does. <laughs> and um, so it's just the awesome flow of stuff, you know. Um, so that's when it, when it comes to that part. Um, when it comes to hearing God together, say something first before we jump into the second part of that question. Yeah, I mean, this is good. This is, all of these, it's good habits. It's godly habits. It, I mean, it just, it's just good for your marriage. It's good for your family to pray together, to be together. But just like with church, there's corporate, and even in your family, there's, there's corporate moments of worship and praying together and making declarations or whatever. And then there's times I don't want him there when I'm with Jesus sometimes. Like, it's personal. It's, it's intimate for me. I do it in a way I don't want because sometimes I, I like to worship and um, I, I just want to be with Jesus. Like just me, not as a wife, not as a mother, not as a ministry partner, not as a missionary with a team. It's just me. And obviously those, those moments are so important. And then, but then the corporate family moments are very important. That's when we gather the kids and they know what's going on. We're praying into stuff. We bless them. We prophesy over each other. Um, our kids get turns that the whole family prophesies over them and so all of it is good um, as long as it's vibrant it's alive um, there's yeah. life there's enjoyment I mean that's awesome um, so that's the way and it, it goes through seasons it really does um, just having small babies messed up lots of stuff like change things around just oh my word we are just just been a you know, in adapting, um, but it's awesome. Like every season is awesome. Yeah, you know, like when we're in the village, so Basil and Marley, they're on here, so, you know. Boy, Vicky, Basil and Marley, boy. <laughs> and, um, you know, so for now things are getting easier for us, not for them, they just had a baby, so shame. Um, <laughs> but for us, things have become easier, you know, but also in the village, things have become easier, so, um, so when we're staying there together as missionary families, we, we actually start at half past seven in the morning and we have corporate uh, time together with the Lord, children, everybody on the carpet, the whole team that lives on the base, they all come in and we just pray together and we worship together and for 40, half an hour, 45 minutes, depending on what happens. And then life goes on, you know, so we just try and bring family into stuff as much as we can. Uh, but there's the personal times as well. And um, so when it comes to understanding each other's strengths and gifts and flowing in that, uh, yeah, that, that's, uh, that's a journey, you know? And, and what I mean with that is... is it, Your baby, huh? Who? 
Mm. <laughs> I don't have gifts. Maurice have gifts. I'm just <laughs> humble. I'm just a servant, you know, so. Gladly <laughs> for me. So, no, I mean, to me, it comes down to roles, understanding your roles in the marriage first. You know, mm. so I just spoke to Maurice last night. I don't know. I saw oh, something. Me. And I just said to her, I think the, the issue a lot of time about women in ministry, and this is a ooh, hot topic, so I'm not even going to step further than what I'm going to say now, right? You can inbox me or come and visit <laughs> me and I'll tell you the whole story. But, uh, but, but the issue about women in ministry has taken a wrong position in the conversation. And what I want to say with that, the, the, that's, the, that, that's part two of the conversation. Part one is the role of husband and wife in the marriage. So, so that is where everything springs from, according to me, right? And this is just my five cents. So, because we, we make the topic women in ministry, should they, shouldn't they, you know, all of that stuff. The question should go back to the home structure. And is the home structure, in, is that right? Because if that's right, a lot of other things flow very naturally out of that place, whatever that should look like. But so the roles in, in the house is super important because there is a role, there is a function, there is a job description according to scripture that God gives to husband and wife, right? And, and it's different, children, no children, you know, all of that stuff. But within that, there's certain order, you know, that needs to be maintained in the household before the flow can actually start going into the ministry. And I'm not contradicting myself because, again, the other thing is I, I, don't, I don't believe, I might get in trouble, but I, but I don't believe in this idea of two ministries in the same house. Like, yeah, I'm so glad I'm not in the church because I can't see your faces, which makes it better. <laughs> but I, I don't believe that there's two callings in a, in a marriage. I believe there's one calling over a family, right? Because if the two becomes one, then how can there be, you know, two callings? That doesn't make sense. So if two becomes one, there has to be one calling, and out of that, there's different gifts flowing. That I understand. So there's different gifts, different strengths that flows from me, that flows from Marie's, obviously. But, but the thing is, we, we need to get those things in context. We need to get that right so that we get the family structure strong, get that priority in place, because now everything will jump. Because if that is strong, then I e easily stand before the Lord with both of these things in my hand. But if it's out of whack, one is always going to suffer. Always. And it could be the ministry too. Yeah. So it's not the one or the other. Either one is going to suffer unless, unless we get the roles right in the house. And, and then for me, it comes back to, um, you know, I am the head of the house. But in this case, I'm also the head of the ministry. So for me, it comes back to the fact that I need her. I do because she's made to be my help meet. According to Genesis 2, she was made to help me, right? That's her job. Because you need help. Because I need help. That's the point. I need somebody to get the revelation, right? <laughs> I, I need it. And, and the thing is, so, so she has to help with the family she has to help with the ministry and the, the point being that if if i need her to lead worship then then she needs to you know she needs to be empowered to be able to lead worship if i need you to stay at home with the children now then then 
that's what we need to do. But for me to appraise or suppress her gift would be absolute foolishness. That would be just hurting myself, you know. So, so it's it's never controlling. It's not at all, not at all. Uh, and what we have found is that the more we step into our roles in in this arena, the more scope there is for both of us to actually live out our calling. It's interesting. It just when when this is working and we we're both in a place of peace about where we should be, what we should be doing now, uh, it's kind of like things just opens up around us. And 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 it's it's a constant work. You know, it's a constant thing to be working at and, and to get understanding. I might want to add to that. Yeah, just speaking as the wife um, and also a wife in ministry. Um, I think I'm fine. In the beginning, I was fine with helping, like being the help, help meet. And um, I mean, it's beautiful in Genesis. I really encourage every couple work through Genesis in the Passion Translation. Get the extra, the image maker, Brian Simmons image maker. It is so beautiful. It's been encouraging me so much. Really, I recommend image maker with the Passion Translation of Genesis for every couple and with your family. Work through it. It's, it's amazing. But as a wife, I was willing to help, but I wanted to help the way I wanted to help. And that is, I think, the issue in, in lots of ministry <laughs> marriages and just marriages in general, I guess. Like, um, but he is the one I'm supposed to help. So I need to ask, how can I help? <laughs> and if what I'm doing is not helping, it's not helping. Then I'm not in my calling what I've been made for, what God actually told me to do and to be his help me. And that was really, in the past 10, last 10 years of marriage, it's, well, the 10 years of marriage, it's been our biggest issues, struggles, um, hurdles to get over with was that thing. Like, how do you help the man that I'm married to? Because once you get married, if you're single, just Go about it. Do what you want. It's you and Jesus on your adventure. Just go. But once you get married, you're under new management. Um, the rules totally change. You go, you go back to Genesis <laughs> 2 and you're the help me. And don't get married then if you don't want to, if you don't want to be there. Because what, what, what is it about? It's about the, the, the marriage being the picture of Jesus and his bride. And that just came alive to me again in this season. Like, our marriage is supposed to look like Jesus and his bride. And where on earth does the bride tell the groom, tell Jesus what to do or where to go that I will not? I don't like this. I wanna, I wanna use this gift now. I, I feel I'm an awesome worship leader. I will be leading worship now. Nowhere, that will never work. And I think us as women, we're so good with that. That's like our superpower, just not listening and just not obeying. <laughs> I mean, that's just crazy. It comes so easy and <laughs> it's destructive. It's destructive. And we get this very loud message and this loud encouragement from the world that it's okay just to be yourself and be the best you can be. And just feminism is insane. And we have, and we are like in this conflict thing and we, um, compare ourselves then to other women, other women in ministry, where you should just be looking at Jesus and you should be looking at your husband. What does he need from me? And then I will get from Jesus. I will get from God. I will get from the Holy Spirit, whatever I need to be that in his life. 
for our ministry to work in whatever aspect. And I mean, you can ask Marley, we, both of us, we've been through this. We've had so many discussions about this and the revelations, I mean, it's still growing. We're still getting there. Um, I know I've got the picture in my heart. I've got, I know I've got the truth, but living it is still a process. That's like a daily thing of just not stop being selfish. That's basically what it comes down to. And, um, the more I surrendered to this design, this godly design of who God made me to be, the more fulfilled I've become. Like, um, you can ask him, just the peace in our home, the peace in our marriage, um, because I think it's part of rest. There's no fear, there's no pride, and there's no shame in rest. Think of the garden when Adam and Eve was just walking together, fellowshipping with God, working in the garden that, that they've been given. Um, and Jesus is looking for a bride to reign with him from his throne. Like, and what is his throne? Every husband must, ask, every wife must ask, what is my husband's throne that God has given him? He's And how do I help him in his garden? Not what I want, but I, there's grace. And I mean, I love doing being helped things help me because what he needs actually does come naturally because god made it like that everything he lacks in i've got i've got it that's what genesis says well johnson said it the other day as well like whatever he lacks i'm his i i complete him and every wife you complete your husband it's it's not um jerry Maguire. it's actually genesis it really is there the hebrew word is amazing go read it it's crazy and um, so it's just been an awesome journey. And, um, and I believe, I think I, be, I believe the life long. Like I will only be fulfilled if I've got my own ministry. Within our ministry, doing everything for Jesus. I mean, it, everything is for the kingdom. Just don't get it wrong. Like everything is for Jesus. But yo, the, the conflict, the struggles, the fights, the anger, the things, the... Bitterness, the self-pity um, that I had to work through, it was just totally unnecessary. But I went through that. And the peace is just awesome. To have that and just to be at peace, it's, it's crazy. So no pride. Pride leads to any, any, any um, what is a conflict, fight, strife. It's pride. Pride is the root of that. Um, so think of your marriage decisions in marriage, uh, in ministry, decisions as making it as a couple, any strife, it's pride. And in rest, in perfect unity where there's harmony between you and God and you and your husband, there's no pride, there's no fear, there's no shame. Um, so yeah. I hope that helps. Yeah, and you know, in that, that's the beauty of it, because in that, if, if everybody can relax in that sense, like the gifts actually flourish. And you can you utilize the gifts much stronger because I mean, Marisa's got a obviously she's got an amazing uh, a worship gift on her life, but she also got an incredible teaching gift. So both of those are are super valuable to the kingdom. So I want them to be used. I want that to to happen. But in the same breath, there's nobody that can impact my children like she can. Uh, there's nobody that can create the atmosphere in the house like she can. And that's the thing with the ladies, you guys literally carry the atmosphere in the house mm -hmm. and you actually carry the atmosphere in a, 
bigger context as well when it comes to church. You, you, you're, you're, you have such an impact on the atmosphere uh, that, that's going about. So there's just something, you know, that's really powerful. I think, you know, I think older generations, uh, um, you can correct me, but, but there was a strong, you know, like the man's the man and, and the woman, you know, you, you're that. And then it got completely out of whack, completely where poor men, the, the younger guys, you know, I'm, I'm turning 40 this year, so I'm, I'm still young, but there's younger guys. And with all the feminism, all the craziness going on, man, you, you cannot even open your mouth because then you're like some, you know, pig or something, I don't know, something's wrong or you're archaic or, or whatever it might be. And that's just rubbish. It's wrong. Uh, um, my wife is not oppressed. I mean, look like it. She's not oppressed. Uh, she's happy. She's living out her calling. And, and it's biblical. God is... That's God's design, you know. Um, I read something one time that's really interesting to me. If, if you look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, where it says, it's that interesting verse where it ends and it says, yet your desire, uh, he's speaking to the woman, and he says, your desire and craving will be for your husband and he will rule over you. I've always listened to that and I thought, I don't understand why that's wrong. Right? <laughs> you know, the, the rule part I can get, but why is it wrong that she's craving, you know, that whole thing. And I actually read a commentary that put some interesting words to that. According to them, they feel this is one of the worst <laughs> translated verses in the Bible. And what they say, that word desire, it actually means, if you look at the original text, it actually meant to usurp authority. So it's usurping authority. And that word to rule is to be a dictator. So, so it actually, so what, what happened is, is God was speaking to him and saying, this is what's going to happen because of the fall. Women, you're going to want to usurp the authority of the man. And man, you're going to want to, you, you're going to want to dictate over her. And both is wrong. Yes. You see? And uh, so, wow. so that's how things got got out of balance where there was actually unity and, and coercion uh, cohesion and um, you know people were just flowing together so 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 it's about this balance where I feel unsatisfied unless I'm this or I feel unsatisfied unless I'm, I'm this but I don't think we understand what it means that husband and wife become became one yet uh, fully and that's why it's such an awesome picture of you know Jesus and, and, and the bride because we don't understand that fully yet either but there's something that changes in that, and, and I would love to discover exactly how that flows into marriage and into you know life, life like that. But if we get that right, then boy, we are a, an amazing team, and there's power in it, and it's and it's you know two becoming one that can defeat ten thousand, where one defeats a thousand. You know, and it's it's all of those things together, and you 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 actually see God move in incredible ways, and there's just peace and joy because. Um, this thing, what we're talking about now, that's what gets people in ministry, in all business, whatever, doesn't matter. But this is what gets marriages. Uh, it's this whole, you know, why do I have to stay with the kids? Well, I don't know, you know. <laughs> uh, and obviously there's, there's exceptions to every, you know, there's exceptions to make blanket statements. Also, there is certain places where, the women are leading, they're, they're making more money, they you know, go for it, man. But when we're home, that thing needs to settle again, right? And and it needs to be an empowering both ways. So it's not about, it's not okay for this one to be working and this one to have a 
lesser, smaller job, smaller income, or stay at home dad, whatever. I, I, I don't, I don't think it's healthy the stay at home dad idea. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's healthy. But I understand that there's circumstances, right? But, but the point is, when we get home, how does wife make the husband feel? Like, is he still the king of the house? Does he still have authority? Or you know what I mean? And our society has um, valued the wrong things. You know, we value money and we value performance and prestige and all of those things where that's not the way it should be, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. I probably opened up a lot of things there and now I'm just going to leave it and move on. Okay, so the next question that Angelique asked... <laughs> Angelique is making lots of money tonight. Is, um, how do you make sure... That, that your involvement in ministry doesn't, doesn't affect your children uh, negatively and, and the, the place it's coming from is just basically we've seen so many, uh, you know, pastor's kids that's, that's spun out and, you know, that behavior is awkward or they don't even serve the Lord anymore, uh, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I think for me what, what changed our heart is again was spending time with David and then David Hogan in Mexico. That really opened a different world to us in, in the way we see ministry and family and all of this come together, you know. And and Marie's grew up in a in a pastor's house. So she she knows I mean they have an awesome family, but but she knows the good and bad and ugly of growing up in that kind of an environment and with, with colleagues and friends and stuff that happens. So she's experienced in that, which is great because I'm not. Um, so, so from the beginning, I think that really helped that Maurice had understanding about those things. And she's just like, you know, watch out for, for these things and, and just kind of, uh, um, you know, Frank under armor and just watch out for all of, you know, you know, but basic things that, 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 that really hurt them as kids, even though they had an awesome family life. Those are things that gets on your nerves, you know, as a child. So, so that helped, but, but what we really shifted, I think the biggest thing that we did that we made a choice about is to keep them part of everything as much as we can. So we, 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 from young, we make them part of the prayer line. Uh, from young, we, we train them to sit still so that they can actually join a service with us and be in the service and not always have to sit in the corner out there and feel like they're a nuisance the whole time. And, and you know, uh, so, so still to this day, uh, when I go on a ministry trip alone and I come back, the first thing they do is they ask me, uh, what did you buy me? <laughs> That's the first thing. That changed recently. And then the second thing is like, okay, but what did Jesus do? Like what miracles? Like, and then I have to, you know, if, I don't have some good miracle stories. They're just like, yeah, I don't know that really. Was that, really, a good trip. Was that really worth it? Okay, so anyway, so, but, but, but the whole point that they are so like, what did he do, man? We want to hear the stories and they're so excited about it. And they're asking about date raising and they're asking about, you know, like the diamonds fall, the favor, you know, all of that. I mean, they're just, Oh man, you know, and so for them, that really, that really makes them feel a part of it. And I think what happens, uh, and again, we are young in this, so there's a long journey ahead and I'm well aware of it. But I, I think what, what happens is when they feel disconnected from the sacrifice that, that is asked of the family, that really pees them off, you know, uh, at some point. Because... It's like we are paying a price, but we're, we have no clue what for. What is this for? 
you know so so they need to see that man this thing is is actually worth it and and we we get it we understand it and and it's like understanding that hey it's not always easy and, and yeah you're gonna not be able to do whatever you know but 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 when we come back there's a reward waiting you know like in the beginning it's an ice cream and now it's two ice creams you know but but just you buy them something and in the beginning I was jumping on the trampoline with them after I've been away for a while and just giving them all my time for an hour or two and just play whatever they want to play, buy them an ice cream, buy them the pizza. And I know it's tight sometimes financially, but an ice cream is five bucks, you know, so just do it and make that a priority in the thing. And suddenly it feels, man, this is actually worth it. This thing is, you know, this is worth doing it. And, and we see the benefit and we hear the miracles and we hear, we hear the, the stories, you know? So, um, so there's really, that was a big shift for us, you know, my, my kids at the moment and, and it's just grace. I don't, I don't, I don't know if it's anything we do. We, I'm just grateful, but, but like they, they fight about wanting to come alone to the village with me. That's like, they're, you know, they fight about it. Like who, who's going to come this time. And if I say no, everybody's disappointed and look back and, you know, um, so, I mean, Emma, she can't wait because I promised her she's a little older. She'll, she'll do like a, uh, uh, a city church uh, conference with me alone. She can come alone on a trip, uh, like a whole conference. And boy, she, I mean, that is like the biggest carrot in front of her nose. You know, she's just like, oh my goodness, that's going to be the best day. You know, so, uh, so for them, that, those things make them feel connected uh, to the story. And, and uh, it does slow you down a little bit sometimes, but, but it's, it's, it's worth it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just know that um, your kids basically need you. They, um, when they are so young, um, they don't even know they need Jesus. That's why we are teaching them and discipling them into a relationship with God, and they need to grow in this. So it's basically you. It's their mommy and their daddy. And um, if you're in ministry, which is then your job, um, our kids many times still asking, so what's your real job? <laughs> Do you have a real job? Anyway, um, but if your ministry, which is your job, makes you cry a lot, mommy, and makes you upset a lot, and they see you always depressed or sad or fighting about ministry stuff, fighting about people, names they know, um, and this strife, they're going to go like, I don't like that thing. I don't like what church or missions. I don't like the trans sky. Um, it makes my mom sad. It makes my dad sad. And we've been through, we've been through patches. Starting a work, it wasn't easy. And we went through lots of things. And we had to, I mean, we realized, oh, my word, our kids... Emma once, it was a very hard time. Like, I mean, I never once that we think like, we're getting a divorce or we're done with the drugs guy. Not once. It wasn't even, it wasn't even a topic. It was just an issue we had in the village and we need, we needed solutions and we were talking about it and we talk, talked about it passionately. And Emma heard a specific conversation and her response to me was, but I thought you liked the trans. Yeah. 
And that just shook me because, yes, I'm cold in the drunk sky. I love this. But all the emotions and the politics of what our ministry, it gets to them if it gets to us. And if we lose our peace, they're not going to be happy because it affects the atmosphere in the house and they just want love and peace. They don't care what you do. They don't mind how much money you make. Kids just need you. They don't care where we sleep. I mean, if I, we've hardly um, shared our living conditions in the trans um, And I mean, some people would get a heart attack if they would see where our kids sometimes have to sleep next to what type of stuff on the walls, insects. And, um, and they don't know. They don't know the difference. They're too young. We are there, so it's cool. Um, but if we're not happy, and if we don't have peace, and if they don't see us loving each other, and being best friends and laughing, their world's going to fall apart, and there won't be any security, and then it's going to hurt them. Um, so politics is a no-no. And if there's no, <laughs> my kids do this all the time, like X, mama, X. So um, that's, the, that's what we've learned. That was the, hard, the, the hardest lessons the last couple of months, years in, in, in starting this thing with kids who's now got a brain. If they're a baby, there's lots of grace. Really, if they're babies, there's lots of grace. But then they get to understand and then you need to think of what you're saying. Um, and, and in the end, if you're, if you're constantly complaining, if you're constantly depressed, what on earth are you doing? Where's the joy? Where's the peace? Why, why isn't this like the biggest adventure of your life? What's wrong? What are you doing then? Like seriously. And, um, and that's what God's been teaching us. It's just the joy. And I mean, there's hard times, there's losing at moments and there's, there's all of it, but the majority of your life, where's that line? Like it can't be down here and your poor kids. There's nothing worse for a kid than to see their parents crying. You see their parents fighting. You see their parents upset. It is the worst. Um, it is the worst. Um, I remember, I don't even know if my mom knows this, but I just, one, I was, I, I still wasn't in school because I was at home in the morning. So my brother went to school, like grade two or something, and I was still pre-primary. Pre and um, so I was still in my pajamas. I remember it so well. I guess I was six, five or six years old. And I jumped. Her bed wasn't even made yet. It was so early in the morning. I think she just sent off my dad and my brother. And I ran to her bed, jumped into her bed, covered myself as to like hide myself from her just to like mortgage click or something. And she came in, but she didn't. And she sat on her bed and she started crying. And I was like, oh my word. I just like they frozen. Like, why is my mom crying? And I mean, I don't know. I, I honestly can't remember anything after that, but I've, I've had that in my heart and I'm so glad I have that because I remember the impact. Now I'm married with four kids and I'm like, I oh, just, just make totally sense that she just wanted to cry a bit on her bed by herself. <laughs> so, um, I mean, my parents are still happily married and whatever. So, um, but just the, it's just sad. It's just, it gets our kids. So make sure you keep your joy. What are you doing with your life? What you're calling and make your, just, oh man, make them part of everything. They are such a blessing if they buy into what you're doing. 
it's the biggest blessing. We love doing it with our kids. We love seeing them grow. We love seeing them um, just like loving a part of the ministry, which is also then probably their calling, like latching onto something, having passion and compassion for a certain part of our life. Um, and I mean, they can, they don't have to be missionaries. We don't expect anything of them. They can go and do anything they want. But now we're a family and this is our calling and this is their world. We are the boss of their world and they will join and they will be happy. <laughs> and we will help them. Will. We will help them. <laughs> and um, just make sure if all the troops are okay. And there's always that odd one. Every family has that one difficult, challenging one. Like everybody's the same and then there's that one. <laughs> And just make sure they're okay as well. Like, yeah. And it's never always, everybody, it's never like all four is okay. I, I wish oh, that I day would. would come. That would be so There's fantastic. no sink. No. Nothing. When you just think you've got this one on board and that one is, I'm like, oh, Jesus, please no. <laughs> Anyway, so that's just the part. But it's fun. And as mm -hmm. long as we can do it with joy, it's good. And sometimes it's really hard. We fail miserably. Uh, but but most of the time, I think we, we get it right. I don't know. I hope we get it right. So, um, you know, Vessel and Marley, they were thrown into this as well. So they, you know, they they also started coming into a culture where they involved their children and everything, and they're part of it. And, you know, so there's good days and bad days. That's the other part of it as well. But but it, it, it is amazing to see how adaptable children are, you know, as you just push them in the right direction and expose them to the right things. So. Mm. Um, I just want to. I just want to add something that um, you you touched on it, but it is so important if you're in ministry, especially ministry, because it's working with people and it's involved. It's always something with God. It's always something with the kingdom. So that's the kids um, associate everything with God. Then in the end, like if they don't like your life, they're gonna probably be upset with God about something, and they'll have to deal with it. And we just pray that we just keep their hearts together and whatever. But um, the thing that Hank said earlier, like, it's about feeding my sheep. And we are feeding the sheep. If you're in ministry, you're feeding the sheep. But your children's your sheep as well. And you can't feed your ministry and not feed here. And I just want to say, Hank's really been, like, as a dad, I would encourage all the dads, like, to do that. He feeds his children. He feeds his family as much as he feeds at conferences. We can ask him any question. The kids can ask. He teaches us. He's our spiritual. Whatever he gives there, he gives here. Um, and I can honestly say that. And it's been like that forever. And that is such um, a powerful thing. It's, I really want to encourage. If you're a dad and if you're married, it's really been helping me. It's, keeping my, it's been keeping my heart happy. It's been keeping the kids happy. And that's discipleship. And he, so he disciples his family and he disciples the church in Donskai and local churches. And um, that's very important. Like, thank you, baby. Thank you, baby. You're awesome. Right. Last question because you guys are tired. Um, so I'm just going to quickly, it's not a long answer, I think. Uh, you asked what, what, besides the Holy Spirit, uh, which books do we recommend that really helps you to dig deeper into the Bible? Um, I don't, I don't have specific ones. Um, you know, I think for me, I, I, I really appreciate a good lexicon, you know, so a good Greek and Hebrew, uh, you know, dictionary that kind of gives you the, the 
So you have your Strong's Dictionary with where the numbers and you get that on eSword and all of those kind of places, uh, which is awesome. But then if you have good lexicons, it really helps. So you have the Tyre, um, T-H-A-Y-E-R, the Tyre uh, Dictionary, and then the, uh, the Bigs, what's that one? Something Bigs is the Hebrew one, uh, which is additional dictionaries to that. I really enjoy them because they, um, uh, they give great, you know, they give great definitions to the words and they, so the Strong's is like, it's amazing already, but this one kind of takes it into a bit of a next level. So that really helps me. Uh, you get it on eSword, it's for free, uh, you know, and on eSword also, I know Bible.com, all of those things. I, I've just, I've just, I'm used to eSword in terms of that part of it. So I like eSword. So there's some really good commentaries also on there for free. You know, I, I like Matthew Henry's commentary. It's old. Um, but I really like his stuff. Um, you get Albert Barnes and guys like that. So I don't, and I, I mention him because he's a bit more of a um, supernatural guy to me in his approach to it. So I really enjoyed his stuff. But I mean, that, that's old, you know, so it's kind of sad, actually. <laughs> that's even what I'm using. Because I mean, there's guys, guys like R.T. Kendall and um, Andrew Womack has got a great New Testament commentary. And, you know, so there, there's great resources out there. So, I do use those, but but for me personally, I, I, the lexicons is basically the thing that I use the most. Uh, so that that for me that works personally. So I would I would dig into a word, and that would make me jump into different scriptures, and you know the thing kind of comes together. So um, so cross referencing for me is where where it really gets powerful, where you put different scriptures together in different places, and you see the puzzle come together. So for me, that's that's been really great, and. Um, and, um, uh, you know, so as long as you, you kind of do those things, it, it's really helpful. Um, and then whatever feeds you in the season, and what I mean with that is, is read, read whatever speaks into your spirit, whatever is good for you at that time, you know. So, like, there's incredible books out there, and, and I would be so excited about a book, and then I pick it up, and I'm just like, man, this thing is not talking to me. It's awesome, but it's just not working. And then a year later, I read the same book, and it's just like, whoa, that's amazing. It's a and it's speaking so I, I try and be very sensitive when I read I don't read a lot uh, I, I do read a lot but I, I on purpose don't do it because I don't want to be an echo I, I need to be an original voice so um, you know so but when I read I try and be really sensitive to to what I'm reading usually I go through seasons so where I don't read like for I would just touch on something, you know, for a year or so I wouldn't read. And then suddenly, like, I'm in a season now where I'm just, like, reading whatever I can get my hands on. I'm loving it. But it's all in line with a certain topic. And it's like God brings it together. So it's just working for me. I, I love biographies um, because, uh, I, you know, there's a lot of theology out there. But bi biographies, really, I get to learn out of the life of the person. So I'm interested in the process, you know, more than I am about the theology around. I want to see how they got there so that's kind of what what works for me I know that, that helps you a little bit uh, and also different bible translations so to put different ones next to each other really awesome it's really powerful you know so it helps a lot yeah um frank what are you saying mountain of god go 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay i'm gonna give you the two minute version all right so basically for, for me this is oh, Brian, why didn't you ask me no, he's not. He's asking us, so you can answer it. I don't know. He's going to answer this one. <laughs> so, um, 
basically the mountain of God. So, you know, so if you if you look at Hebrews twelve, it says that we have come to Mount Zion, the mountain of the living God. Right, so and then it kind of expands on what's there. It's myriads of angels. It's the, the, the spirits of those, the saints of those, is made righteous. Uh, you know, it's the judge of all the earth. It's the blood of Jesus. It's you know all of that stuff. So, so when you when for me and and then you look at Hebrews, uh, not Hebrews, Isaiah two that says it's the mountain above all mountains. Right, so and, and it speaks of Zion again. So Zion is constantly. The, the theme, Mount Zion, is over and over in the New Testament and the Old Testament and prophets. You keep seeing that, you know, Psalms everywhere. So Zion speaks of, of the people, but it also speaks of a spiritual realm, which is called the mountain of the Lord. So um, why did Jesus curse the feet? Maybe. Um, so, so here's the thing. So, so Zion... Um, represents the realm of the spirit, the realm of the kingdom of God, the manifest presence of God. So that's why everything points us back to that place. Isaiah 60 is speaking about Zion. Isaiah 60 verse 80, where he's flying like doves on the clouds. And then later on it says that, but you are Zion, we. You know, so so it, it's such a spiritual context. And, and when he speaks about it, how do you enter into it? It's basically everything we've been doing the last two, three, four weeks. So it's approaching the realm of the spirit and stepping into that because you have come to Mount Zion. So all, everything we've been sharing was basically about becoming aware of the spiritual reality that's around you and you step into that, that realm for Zion is where the judge of all the earth sits. So Zion is also a sphere of government uh, in the realm of heaven. Do you understand? Because there's different places. You are seated in heavenly places. Places. So heaven is not just one. It, it's there's a throne room, and there's a you know there's this, and there's that. There's all these different places in heaven. There's a garden. There's a banquet hall. There's the hall of faith that you read about in Hebrews 11. There's a library. There's there's stuff. And uh, but Zion speaks specifically about the governmental part because it says in Isaiah 2 that from here the law um, and 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 the word of the Lord will go out from here, and all nations will come and will be taught from this place. So, so the mountain of the Lord speaks to me about this place where we actually get counsel from God and where you release that onto the earth. But you have come to Mount Zion. And as you keep on pressing into the stuff we've been talking about, you actually get, get more caught up in that and you understand that that is your reality. So uh, that's a very simple answer, but, but that's the way I would do it because I, I think it should be simple. you know. But the, the reality is that... that I think it was Charlie that mentioned that as well. That's why, you know, I, I, I like that seven mountain thing. I, 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 I don't have a problem with it, uh, the, you know, because I understand what they tried to say, influencing media and all that. I think it's right, but, but you have to understand that you cannot influence that unless you're coming out of Zion because it's the mountain that's above all mountains, you know. So, so it's about understanding that there's the spiritual governance that takes place from this place and we, we actually influence from there. So yeah, hope that makes sense. Short answer. Thank you for listening to this session. We hope that you were blessed by it. For more information about the ministry, go to www.aflame.co.za or find us on Facebook and Instagram under Aflame Ministries. Until next time, be blessed in Jesus' name.